Welcome to The Changemakers, the podcast from Seven Hills where we delve into the lessons from life in the lockdown, from those who are living it, learning from it and leading organisations through it. Now my guest today is well known as a titan of tech, but it's the personal energy of Russ Shaw that is also the stuff of legend. Prolifically connected through founding Global Tech Advocates, Tech London Advocates and a host of others, he has joined the dots in cities and countries the length and breadth of this planet. Every day starts with a 5k run and the annual London Tech Week gatherings have become almost as well known for the hashtag Where's Russ? as he darts around the city championing innovation and enterprise. So Where's Russ? I can tell you he's here and let's ask him about today's 5k. Russ, welcome to the show. How'd it go? It was okay, Michael. It was probably not one of my best ones, but uh, you know, I used to run on treadmills, and now I'm running through the streets of West London. So uh, it was okay. The sun is shining, and good brisk morning. So here I am, ready to go. No, no, no personal best there then. <laughs> not, not today. Um, I had one about three weeks ago, but I've I've fallen off the pace of it, so I need to get back on track. I have to tell you, I mean, I, I was very inspired by your 5K stories. I mean, so much so it's got me going this year. And I, th- I think a lot of people in this lockdown seem to be either one of two responses. Either you don't feel like doing much or you feel like doing a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, I think, you know, especially we've had such a, a remarkable spring that I think people just want to get out, get some fresh air. You know, obviously social distance in the process, but, you know, I think it's a really important thing uh, in terms of our mental health and not just our physical health to get that regular exercise. So uh, mm. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it going and, and you're looking good for it as well. So keep doing what you do. That, thanks very much. We, uh, just just for the, so the listeners, we can actually see each other on the interview so, so we can be a mutual appreciation club. I mean, in terms of um, your life in, in the lockdown, I mean, in terms of how I mean, you're, you're a person that is used to getting out there, setting up networks around the world, joining the dots, as it were. How are you finding it, being sort of a bit more confined? I mean, is it hard or are you finding new ways? It's it's a bit of both. I mean, it is hard because I I love to get out. I love to go to the, the tech events that happen usually week in, week out, you know, every now and then getting on a plane, going somewhere different. Um, so I, I am certainly missing that. I You know, I know it's going to come back at some point. Um, but I think I've adapted pretty well. I mean, using great technology, actually, sometimes I'm seeing and speaking to more people from my, my little garden room in, in my garden here um, than I, I can normally get around and see in any given day. So there, there are pluses and minuses. This is going to be part of our new normal. And, um, you know, uh, for the time being, it, it's working and I think working reasonably well. But I, I do miss seeing people. I do miss the, the social and physical interaction. I mean, I was reading a, a Rory Kellen Jones piece, um, and he was saying that if this had happened ten or fifteen years ago, without the technology, without that kind of backbone of of infrastructure that we've now got, this would be an altogether different story. We'd just all be watching VHS and all the rest of it. I mean, do you, do you find that? Do you feel that that this is actually a bit of a coming of age moment for tech? Oh, it absolutely is, and we're one of the things that we're doing on the global tech advocate side is. We are interviewing IT leaders around the world in terms of what's going on with the pandemic, how has it hit their businesses, but also what are they thinking about in the post-pandemic environment? And we've talked to leaders in manufacturing, education, healthcare, financial services, and not one of them has said, we're going back to the way it was. They've all said more remote working, more uh, networking from a distance. That is going to be part of what we're going to have as our future. And that's 
that's the new normal that a lot of people talk about. Now, is that the TLA resource hub that, that uh, you're referring to there? No, the, actually, this is something different. So that that is a, we have Global Tech Advocates. HP is a, is a sponsor. We've been doing this project with them. We're going to release the, the results of those discussions over the summer. Now, the, the TLA resource hub is, is something that we set up back in March uh, with some of your colleagues at, at Seven Hills to uh, really bring the community together to provide help, advice, support to startups, to scale-ups, to anybody in, in, a, in a tech business who needs it, um, because this you know, has hit the sector very hard. It's hit every sector very hard, and I think we felt that we needed to pivot, pivot quickly, and do what we do best, which is we're mm-hmm. a graphic and a lot of what we do is about providing help and advice. Now, when I was thinking about introducing you, I was going to go for a kind of uh, Bruce Springsteen homage and go, born in the USA, living in London. So I'm going, to do, I'm going to do it as a question, though. That transatlantic journey for you in terms of the kind of rust that we've, we've, come, to, we've come to know and love, I think. You know, I think, now, I was, I was thinking about things that I would, I would ask you is that, I mean, obviously, you went from spreadsheets to Skype. You, went, you started as, with a career in accountancy and then, and then finished up in tech. You crossed that that chasm, as uh, Jeffrey Moore might say. Um, I'd love to know, in making that crossing, what what you've learned about yourself. Yeah, well, I think probably some of those seedlings started even a bit before that. Um, You know, I worked, I've worked in a lot of different organizations, large corporate organizations. You know, when we talked about with you and Nick setting up Tech London Advocates many years ago, you know, I kind of joke, well, this is the first time in my career I feel like I've been a true, proper entrepreneur. But if I go back, you know, my, my parents were entrepreneurs. They had their own business. Um, they had a business uh, on Long Island in New York, a uh, furniture business that, um, unfortunately, you know, after doing years of doing well, didn't do well. Uh, they up and moved to, to Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I grew up. So it, when that moment came in terms of not doing well um i mean i I lived through something similar with my own father when when my parents got got divorced was that there was a moment where my father wasn't doing that well and it and it affected me in terms of the way i looked at risk and the future did did you find it it did something similar to you or 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 not it did the seedlings of that were definitely in there in terms of what had happened the the stresses and strains that it, it put on the family um, and then, you know, in my high school years, my, my parents were trying to build up their, their business again. But, you know, there was not money for me to, you know, really go to a, a decent university unless I got out there and did something myself and, and saved money. And, and many American high school students do have to do that because the cost of a university education in America is so uh, exorbitant. Um, mm. So I, I watched them and I thought I need to go out there and do something. So I worked. After school, um, I did, you know, gardening work, et cetera. But the last two years of high school, I worked for a cleaning agency. So I went into right. people's homes and I went into offices and I cleaned those homes and offices uh, four days a week after school and every Saturday. And I watched a woman who created that business. It was called Today's Made. Uh, and she built it up. And I was made number 10 when I joined, she grew it to 50. And then what I watched, Michael, which is something I will never forget, is that she let success go to her head. She started to mismanage the business. Um, she got in with the wrong crowd. She did ro- 
did drugs. And literally two weeks before I went to university, my last paycheck bounced. I never saw or heard from her again. She skipped town. And this was Phoenix Businesswoman of the Year. Tough, tough, tough lessons. Tough lessons. Absolutely. But then the other side of it was me going into people's homes. Some people were wonderful. Some people treated me like a piece of dirt. And I just thought, you know, there there is a better way to treat people and humanity than many of the ways I'd experienced when I was mm. 17. So I mm. look at that. I look at my parents' experience running a business and those seedlings of, you know, how do you go about creating ideas, driving what you want to do, uh, and saying, look, nobody else is going to make this happen for you. You got to get out there and, and and do it yourself, and take chances and take risks. Those were formative years for me, where you know I saw the world in action. When you go into people's homes every day after school, yes. boy, do I have a lot of stories I can tell you. See the light, see the light through their eyes. But just very quickly, <laughs> there's in, a book in, in there one day. <laughs> in terms of that move from New York to Phoenix, do you think that was the beginning of the? Of that kind of the, the journeyman, if you will, in terms of the you know sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm presuming that, that I mean, I'm, well, that'd be a lot sunnier, I'd imagine, in terms of your first um, sort of experiences of it. But in terms of that that complete change of, of vibe from kind of the northeast of the states right down to the sort of southwest, I mean, I mean, how, how did you feel about that? I loved it. Um, it was it was hard at first, but I think that was another formative experience for me where I could be uplifted, be thrown into a completely new environment and figure out how do you make friends? How do you socialize? How do you do interesting things? And how do you see it from a different perspective? And and I've lived in a few different cities in America, you know, from Phoenix, I went to St. Louis where I went to university. I then moved to Los Angeles where I started my career with spreadsheets, Um, moved to Boston to, uh, to go to Harvard, which is where I met my wife, Leslie you know, we moved to San Francisco and then we came to London. So I've had experiences where you, you just kind of uplift yourself. You go somewhere else and you kind of say, OK, this is a new place. This is a new environment. How do I understand it? How do I absorb it? And how do I learn to thrive in an, a new environment? And, and, and lots, of, lots of fresh us. Let's go back to Harvard, if we may, because that is was a big part of the journey. I was just looking it up and I was just thinking, you know, a $40.9 billion endowment, eight US presidents, 188 living billionaires, 160 Nobel laureates. Why did you want to go to Harvard University? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, I had actually applied during my, my last year of undergraduate university. So I was at Washington University in St. Louis. So I, I applied, I got a deferred admittance. Um, and when you get that letter, you kind of think, wow, can't say no to this one. So, but they then say to you, look, go and get some work experience and then come back into the program. So that's why I opted to go to, you know, beautiful Los Angeles and, and, you know, live near the beach and get some experience. But it was, it was a great, it was a great time in, in my life. I met some great people. In fact, I, uh, last autumn, Leslie and I, I met Leslie there. We went to our, what was it? It must have been our 34. 30th uh, Harvard reunion. So we're still in touch with people. Mm. It's a great network. Um, and it's another building block for me in terms of my career, in terms of things I can call on in terms of the, the skills that I have. 
And is Leslie a, a fellow traveller? Did she also have the kind of wandering feet to sort of move to other cities? Did, did, oh, did you reinforce Before we met, she worked on an oil rig in the North Sea. She'd worked in an open coal mine in Australia. So uh, she, uh, she is probably even more adventurous than I was in terms of circumnavigating the globe. And then we met each other literally we sat next to each other on the first day of class in our in our section and at harvard you you don't you, you literally sit in the same seat for the entire first year of the the curriculum so we got to know each other very well so, and it so you lucked out serendipity big time well it's funny on the first day of class you, you show up and it's very competitive and you're in a section with a seat of 90 uh, 90 seats in an amphitheater style and half of your grade is based on class participation so People were getting there, literally, I didn't realize this until afterwards, at five in the morning to get the best seats. I got there at eight o'clock thinking, okay, you know, I'll get there early. And there were five empty seats. And I thought, well, there's that empty seat next to that very nice, attractive English woman I'd met the day before. And so I walked over and sat down next to her and kind of said, well, this is the year ahead. Nice to meet you. And, uh, and here we are, you know, married, three sons living in London. She brought me here and this is my home. This is your home, and, and, and boy, you have made it a home. I mean, starting with Tech London Advocates, which the Evening Standard described as, as London's most influential business network. Now, I think a lot of people see you as the ultimate networker, the ultimate kind of, I guess, advocate in this respect. In terms of how and where you came up with the idea that then has spent, you know, I guess, advocacy networks right the way around the world. In terms of, you know... It, I guess the the lightning bolt moment. Give give us a sense of that. Yeah, I think I think the lightning bolt moment was probably the year before we launched it. So back in 2012, um, obviously, you know, I'd met you, I'd met Nick. Um, I was invited to be part of this group called the Tech City Advisory Group, set up by a gentleman called Rohan Silver, who is advisor to Prime Minister yeah. Cameron. And I thought it was great that government was was promoting London's tech ecosystem. Um, I briefly met our mayor at the time, Boris Johnson, who was also out there promoting tech. And I thought, great, government, City Hall are doing this, but, but where is the private sector? Where is the focus on the entrepreneur and founder? And think back to what I was saying about my parents and working at Today's Made and, and, and the, the roots of running businesses. And how do you help and support those businesses was something that I was always passionate about. And I just thought, that's the idea, but also how do you make it easy for people to get involved because everybody's very busy. How do you keep it open and inclusive so there's no membership fees or there's no exclusivity? And, and how do you call on people's better angels because you're asking everybody to volunteer to a greater or to a lesser degree, depending on what they're capable of doing? And, and it was those nuggets that all came together that I thought, wow, you know, there's something that we can do here. And I Literally, from the day we launched it back in April 2013, I have been and continue to be overwhelmed by the response of people who want to be in this mm. community, who want to help, and who want to support and build London as a world-leading tech ecosystem. And I think I think overwhelmed is, is quite a good word, actually, because I, I, I you know, I, I think two quick sort of moments that stand out in my mind is that, you know, I, I remember being sat in the boardroom with you um, in, our, in the Seven Hills boardroom, discussing this as a kind of nascent idea and sort of sketching out what it might be and what we might call it. And then just a very short period of time later, 
emceeing the mayoral hustings, which would then go on to see Sadiq Khan um, elected as mayor of London, and seeing literally thousands of people uh, out at Hare East and thinking this all started as sheets of paper on a table and what an extraordinary and overwhelming achievement. I mean, you must be absolutely tickled pink with it, aren't you? I am. I, I, I pinch myself every day. And, you know, I know we were talking a bit earlier about what kind of what motivates you and what gets you out of bed. This gets me out of bed every day because mm. I'm, I'm so fortunate. I get to see the best of people. Um, I hear difficult stories. Um, I, I see challenges that we face. But I also see people generating ideas. You know, I'm maybe I'm kind of an orchestrator here, but I'm not doing all of this. They're, we're calling on others, hundreds, thousands. You know, the London group is over 9,000 coming together to say, how do we make this better? How do we build world-leading technology businesses? And now in this pandemic, you know. I was going to ask that. that digital yeah. tech is going to be even more pervasive when we come out of this. So we're in the right space and we need to bring so many more people with us on this journey. It's, you know, and, you know, there's some dark sides to tech as well. This is not all nirvana, um, but let's keep our eyes open and let's not do this in isolation. Let's connect with other hubs around the world because whether you're in Shanghai or the Bay Area or Bogota or Milan or Copenhagen, doesn't matter. We're all dealing with similar issues as entrepreneurs, as leaders in tech, as investors trying to build world-leading ecosystem that will be our future of work in society. Mm, I mean, and, and when you look at, I mean, obviously you've got so many advocates now around the world, but when you look at them as a body, I mean, do, do, you, do you get a sense that they are remaining positive, resolute through this? I mean, these are these are very tough times that I guess people are facing personally with health um, and family and friends, um, economically. What's your sense of the morale of the technology community that you're working with? I think it, it's been funny for me watching this wave go through. So talking to the guys from Shanghai Advocates and Shenzhen Advocates, um, you know, they're now on the rebound, but they were very down about what was happening and, and struggling. And now that they're they're up and running, they're kind of saying, well, where's the rest of the world? And, and we're not there. Um, you know, I got a glimpse of what was going to happen here in the UK, speaking to the guys at Tech Italy Advocates, and they're based in Milano. And, you know, just getting messages from them back end of January, early February, basically saying, this is coming your way. Things are going to change very quickly. So I guess in terms of people's attitudes, I think when this has first hit, there's this real kind of, oh my goodness, this is bad, uh, concern, negativity, um, feelings of desperation. But I sense as we go through this and as we collaborate more, people are kind of on the up. People can see where this is going. I mean, there's still going to be businesses that, that hit the wall. Um, and we know that today. And we're trying to do whatever we can, either through the private sector or through encouraging public policy to support our ecosystem because we don't want to come out of this with everything in tatters and we can learn from each other. So part of my calls to the guys in Shanghai is tell us what it's like when you come out of lockdown. What are you experiencing? Um, 
and for the guys in Italy, how are you rethinking the world? In the Bay Area, they were one of the first areas to go into lockdown in the U.S. Where are they? So it's a it's a really interesting place for me to I be. Mean, almost like a wave of, of of emotion and feeling. I mean, just it's, just because we've uh, just got a couple of minutes left, but but I, I'm also sort of wondering that you know the virus is a very clear you know I guess enemy to fight, and science and technology is very much on on the front line of that. I mean, this is a come of the hour moment where the the world of, you know, the role of our technologists has never perhaps been more vital than it is now. What's your sense of how they're responding? Well, I, I think the, the, the technology sector is, is responding brilliantly, as are our scientists and our, you know, you know, everybody who's trying to deal with this is, is stepping up. You know, I've seen so many startups and scale-ups just offer their products and services for free to say, look, you know, we want people to try these things because they may, you know, may, they may have a better life as a result. You know, I've seen so many health tech businesses, you know, Benevolent AI and Babylon Health and MoLogic being called on by the government in the digital Dunkirk event back in March to say, help us to solve this problem. EdTech, FinTech, Cyber, all of these technology businesses that we're so really good at producing are a big part of this solution, not just as a one-off, but ongoing and indefinitely. And, and that to me is a really good thing for us to kind of put our hats on and say, this is what's gonna keep us going. We are a part of this solution. Um, we are going to be a part of how this world of work evolves, and we're going to probably drive a lot of that agenda. So let's let's be our better angels as we go through this. Treat people with dignity and respect, because a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. A lot of people are going to struggle mentally, and we're, there's so many things that we can do and offer to help people through a very strange and difficult period in our history. Rushshaw, thank you so much. I have to say, I, I hadn't heard the phrase "the digital Dunkirk." I mean, that um, that I think brings um, an absolutely, you know, I, I guess the finest hour. Um, uh, could it be the finest show? We'll we'll, uh, we'll find out from our uh, from our listeners. But I think that idea of of, um, of the finest hour, when when you feel so much pressure, but the idea that maybe the darkest hour is just before the dawn, and the role of those sort of scientists and technologists is so vital in terms of finding the solutions for the future. So absolutely brilliant way to bring the show to a close. My thanks and then go to Rush Shore, a tireless titan of tech connecting communities that together keep the show on the road during these tough times. Join me for the next Changemakers. Changemakers.